Culture historians for another week of Doctor Who and our travels in the TARDIS. I'm Ryan Ritter. That's Jimmy McShane on the line. Jimmy, how are you this beautiful week? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, I can't complain at all. Um, <laughs> mostly because we're not watching the uh, the, the Web of the Planet anymore. <laughs> um, uh, no, we uh, moved on to. Uh, gosh, is this is this the is this the sixth out of nine is serials? Yeah. Of, uh, is, that, is it? Can that be? It's flying by. It is. It is for sure. Um, and what do you what do you make of season two compared to season one thus far? We still have three serials to go. We haven't talked yeah. about this one yet. But. Yeah. Well, uh, the thought occurred to me because um, just you know, there's kind of an up and down nature. Um, we talked about the uh, balance between. Uh, the more sci-fi serials and the historical serials. and um, It seems that the historical ones, at least to me, um, and, uh, me being the main character of reality, of course, um, that the historical ones are of a higher quality than the sci-fi ones. So there's kind of like this like a good serial, then a bit, kind of a lesser serial, then kind of a greater serial, then lesser serial. And that felt really distinct in, uh, in the, first, the first batch of serials, uh, season one. And now that uh, we're here in season two, there's still that, there's still that kind of back and forth, but it feels less defined. It feels like the good stuff is still pretty good, and the bad stuff is less bad. Even something like the Web Planet, which was, um, you know, poor for um, a number of reasons. We talked about that last week. Uh, if you at home are interested, uh, check that episode out. Um, but it it didn't feel like at the depths of some of the worst stuff from the first season, like the, um, uh, whichever one it was. I don't even remember the names of it now. The, uh, the one where they're, they're bouncing trying to find like the, uh, the keys of Marinus, the keys of Marinus, which I thought was pretty dire. Like the web planet wasn't as bad as the keys of Marinus to me. Um, mm. so yeah, it feels like there's more, I hate, it's not really consistency, but it feels like the, 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 the floor is rising while the ceiling is staying about the same level, which I think is, a, I think is a positive development. Fair, what, fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you think? Well, for, for me so far, you know, I, I really like the Dalek master plan. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. The Dalek invasion of earth. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a different one I'm thinking of. I really like the Dalek invasion of earth and I, I personally like the rescue. So those are two sci-fi ones that I, I, 
because I, I, I agree with you in general, the historical ones uh, so far have been the better, more consistent ones. Um, but I, I do think the sci-fi ones are a little bit, with the exception of perhaps the web planet, uh, the sci-fi one's a little bit better this time around. Um, and so I, you know, so far, you know, I do, I do like, you know, comparing the first six serials of season one to the first six serials of season two, I'm liking season two better. Yeah, definitely agree. And I, I think some of it too is, you know, the, the show's kind of in its stride, I think. Even, even with the web planet, which was a bit of a stumble, it was still a huge creative effort they were trying to pull off there. And so I think as far as the characters go, as far as the show's mission statement goes, you know, it's kind of in a stride. Whereas in season one, you could definitely feel them kind of feeling their way out. Yeah, and I would also say that there's less evidence of burnout. Like you mentioned last week, that this we're kind of starting to get into the uh, the territory in the production schedule where um, they have to kind of find ways to uh, let actors take a week off here and there. And, uh, you know, uh, stuff like that was pretty evident in the first series. Where it, it, you know, it's kind of around the same time where uh, the story started getting a little bit more rote, a little more predictable, maybe a little lower effort. And then, you know, the doctor would be gone for like two episodes and stuff like that. And here, right. it's it just, I mean, yeah, when you point them out, you go, oh my God, you're right. Ian was barely in this episode or something, but it, it feels more elegant. And I feel like they're, you have a handle on the other characters more. So they're able to kind of fill in the, fill in the gaps and the stories uh, yeah, you met, the web planet was not uh, did not fail out of a lack of effort or creativity. Um, it really was a creative thing. It just didn't work for other reasons beyond that. But um, they really did try. Um, and I will say what's interesting about it is it's kind of hitting a stride while also like not always falling back into a formula. I would say the last three, maybe four serials all kind of including this one that we're talking about this week the crusade all have a different kind of feel and vibe um you know you have something like the uh, the, the daleks invasion of earth which felt like kind of a p- apocalyptic sci-fi thing and we have uh the the romans which is all, almost gotten a farce in certain areas and then i, mean, I would really argue it did for a time completely <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, Web Planet, which uh, kind of had like this kind of kind of this trippy, kind of spacey vibe, and now uh, this week, which delves into the realm of the classical uh, in many areas, and I think that's cool. Um, they're still trying new things, and they're failing less and less. But yeah, no, that's it's it's certainly a, a sign of um, a real quality and progress on the uh, on the parts of the creative staff, both. Uh, Behind the camera and in front of. I agree, and I, and you got to wonder a little bit too. Um, you know, we have a new new person in charge of going out and getting cereal, right? Dennis Spooner. Mm-hmm. You know, and and how much of that is is intentional on his part, trying to get different kinds of stories. Uh, I, it strikes me as intentional, um, and uh, again, just his willingness to try new things. And you know, obviously, they, they afforded that freedom because um, they're doing very well in the ratings at this point. Um, 13 right. million viewers is, is no laughing matter. Um, 
And it's good that they're not just going like, okay, well, we, we have the audience. Let's just, let's just do Daleks every week, <laughs> which they could have done. Uh, yeah, and it probably would have worked for a little bit too. Right. But um, no, they went, they went for something more interesting. Uh, and something more interesting kind of leads us to the crusade. Um, this week's four part story. Um, which um, I, I, it, it's fair to say I, I quite liked more than the web planet. Um, ran from March 27th, 1965 through April 17th, 1965. Uh, the first thing I do notice here is that the um, viewership did seem to go down here a little bit. I don't know if there's a reason for that or uh, maybe my dad is wrong here, but it looks like they're hovering no, no, around no. 9, 10 million here. So something to keep in mind, a couple of things. First of all, I think I mentioned before, at the time, the sci-fi stories were more interesting to mm-hmm. viewers than historical ones. Probably mm-hmm. a lot of viewers were kids. Another That's thing <laughs> is it gets really cold in Britain in the winter, I'm told. Uh, that, that, I think that's fair. Yeah. And so something that just happens is in the winter, viewing figures go up because people aren't going outside. They're not doing things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're huddling around the fire. They're turning on the TV. Though. So wintertime ratings are always going to be higher. Uh, and so that's another thing, reason why the web planet had such high ratings was part because people were interested, but also because it was cold outside and people didn't want to go outside. So I think the combination of it getting a little bit warmer and, and that's something you're going to see at the end of pretty much a, of a lot of Doctor Who seasons is uh, at least in the 60s when they're running like 48 weeks out of the year or something like, right. something like that. Summertime viewing figures are just going to be lower. I never thought about the weather playing such a huge role, but that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and, and these days, they, they count like DVR recording as, as part of the ratings, which obviously, uh, you know, way before that. Sure, 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 sure. And it's a good point about the historical epics. Uh, historical epics. Historical serials probably being less interesting to kids. Um, it probably feels like you're going to school. <laughs> well, that, that, was, that was part of, the, part of what... Cindy Newman wanted, right? He wanted a little bit of a his, uh, educational aspect to it. Um, but no, kids just want to see the bug-eyed alien. Well, I get it. And it's funny because they, they will every once in a while fit in some like science stuff from the Doctor and the sci-fi stuff. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's much more of a let's do some action. Let's, uh, let's, let's run some dollars over with a truck kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll start with the, you know, if, the, if this is your first time listening to our Doctor Who Watch Rewatch, uh, what we do is we kind of give our initial impressions, and then we do uh, we walk we walk ourselves through uh, the episode. So with that Although in mind, we haven't done any of the cast and crew yet. We have not done any of the cast and crew, and we've skipped right over what kind of makes this this serial special compared to the others in season two, which is that um, a couple episodes are missing. This will not be on BritBox. Yeah, this, um, this one, this one's not on BritBox. Um, yeah. Uh, so two episodes we, we still have, one of which was found in the 70s when they were first collecting episodes, and one of which was discovered in 1990, where was it? 1998, I think, or 1999. Ooh, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, well, yeah, not 20, 20 years, but uh, it was. But considered a lot of them were found in the in the 70s. Um, it was discovered that some dude 
a film collector in New Zealand had the story. Like, like something that happens is, you know, different countries will like ask for a copy of Doctor Who and BBC will send it out to them so they can broadcast it, right? Mm-hmm. And some people are really diligent about it and destroy it when they're done. Some people just kind of left it lying around and people were like, hey, this is cool. And they would just take the film with them. <laughs> so this guy didn't even know he had like a missing episode of Doctor Who. He just, he was just collected film in New Zealand. And then like <laughs> a guy uh, found, found it. It's like, hey, you know, there's people who's looking, who, who the BBC is looking for this. Um, and and that's how we were able to get one more episode, the first episode. It blows my mind because they, they always talk about, uh, you know, when you when you read stuff about like you know missing media or like lost footage or lost movies or hit you know missing plays from the Renaissance, and it's always like in someone's attic, and they tell you like, hey, always check the stuff you have. You never know what. <laughs> what you might find and you always kind of want to hand wave that like, yeah, what's the chances I have like a missing Shakespeare play on hand, but uh, <laughs> it kind of, kind of seems worth it for everyone to just go through their attics. You never know what you're going to find. Never know. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, so this is, this is the, of the first six seasons, this is one is by far the one with the least missing episodes with only two missing episodes. And that's one pretty good. Compare that to like say season four, where there are no complete, Serial. Oh, lord! Not a single <laughs> one in season four is complete. There's some that are really close to being complete, but not a single one is actually complete in season four. And so, uh, seasons three, four, and five have a lot of missing serials, but that's also where most of the animations have been as well. So, yeah. Um, really quickly, I mean, well, should we get into the cast and crew next, or should we talk about kind of? Um, I, I don't want to give away my thought, but I, the limitations of a. Uh, this particular um basically do you want to talk about the uh, the reconstruction here do we want to go into cast and crew and then reconstruction uh, uh let's go let's do cast and crew and then i love it let's do okay. it so this one was written by a, an old favorite of ours david whitaker hey hey buddy script editor this is his third story out of eight that he writes total for the show so this is the third time we've we've uh, gotten to him um it was directed by Douglas Campfield. And he's also a familiar name for, to us. He Indeed. directed, he directed um, part of Planet of the Giants. So the third episode, third and fourth, but then they combine it down to a single episode. And so this is the second thing he's directed for the, um, for the show. Right on. Now, there's a lot of acting credits on this one. There are a ton. And uh, I guess we should start with the uh, the biggest acting credit they have on here. Um, probably the most uh, overqualified guest star they've had up to this <laughs> point. Although, uh, maybe not quite uh, yet when he was on here. Um, most of his no, huge, this, huge credits will come later. Yeah, this was a pretty early in his career. Uh, Julian Glover, who plays... Um, Richard the Lionhearted for uh, for us here in the uh, the Crusades, and if that name doesn't sound familiar, and if his face doesn't necessarily sound look familiar, um, I promise most people listening have seen him in at least something. Um, uh, I realized I knew him from Empire Strikes Back. 
um, General Veers uh, uh, riding one of the uh, AT-ATs. You know him from a little uh, obscure HBO show, as I understand it. Is that right? I do. What was he in? I'm sorry. I think he's in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, he was actually a big, big character in Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he played... Um... Oh, what was his name in Game of Thrones? Um, uh, Richard the Landhardest. Of course. No, <laughs> Matt Grand Maester Pycelle. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, he was, I mean, he wasn't like one of the main characters, but he was a pretty prominent character. He was, uh, no, ge- he, he was no guest star. <laughs> no. no. Uh, yeah. He was, of course, in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Bond film I haven't seen yet, uh, but for your eyes only. Um, and other Doctor Who fans will also recognize him from a later episode of Doctor Who. Uh, and then the next episode of Doctor Who that he's in is actually the highest watched episode of classic Doctor Who. And actually might be the highest watched episode ever of Doctor Who. I'm not sure how <laughs> wow. that compares to the modern Doctor Who. But yeah, the next one he's in in the 70s ends up being, and we'll talk about that when we get to it, obviously. But um, yeah, <laughs> that ends wow. up, he ends up being in the most watched episode of Doctor Who, uh, at least classic Doctor Who. Go, Mr. Glover, man. Uh, and, and he did. He was gracious enough to uh, grant um, a very, a very uh, creative and uh, interesting interview in the reconstruction, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, yeah. A couple other uh, acting credits. Um, let's see what we got here. Jean Marsh, who plays Joanna, sister to Richard Lionhearted, um, most famous for going on to create and appear in. Uh, the seminal British series Upstairs, Downstairs. <laughs> no small credit at all. Uh, it would also appear in uh, several other Doctor Who serials, I take it, or uh, as I understand. Yeah, she's in two more. She's going to be in one in next season in a pretty memorable role, and then one again in the final season of the show. Oh, wow. Uh, classic Who, yeah. Uh, also, um, you, this probably didn't mean much to you, but her spouse in the 50s was John Pertree, who eventually goes on to play the doctor and later, I'm not going to say when, but he's one of the people who plays the doctor in classic doctor. So she, well, she was married to the doctor. Uh, wow. Prior to doing the serial and she didn't even know it. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Walter Randall, uh, the guy who plays uh, the villainous Alec here. Uh, he actually owned a restaurant with John Pertwee in the seventies. Oh really? I didn't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he was he was in the Aztecs as well, so we worked yes, seeing him. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, sadly he passed away in two thousand eight. That's what I was going to mention about Julian Glover. He's still with us. The dude's eighty six. He's still he has like stuff in post production to this day, um, which I find really really cool about Julian Glover. Uh, I didn't mean to jump back to him, but um, no, it's okay. It's okay. Walter Randall being uh, deceased reminded me that Julian Glover is very much alive. Uh, we have Ber- uh, I'm going to guess Bernard K, perhaps Bernard K, um, who plays Saladin. Uh, went on to appear in uh, the TV TV miniseries Last Days of Pompeii and a little movie called Doctor Shivago in 1965. And uh, his brother on the show, not in real life, um, Roger Avon, who plays Saladin. Uh, two names are very similar. <laughs> yes, they are. Kind. Uh, his bigger claim to fame is that he uh, also has other um, Doctor Who credits, including a uh, feature film, which we'll be talking about uh, not long from now. Um, 
Not too shortly so, from now. But, so uh, the, the film is exactly not in the one we're going to be talking about this season, but it's right. Cool. You gotta love it. Uh, those are the major. Those are the major points of interest. Uh, I found, of course, you know. Here's the thing uh, about Doctor Who, especially classic Doctor Who in the '60s. Um, pretty much everyone that comes by has had some sort of interesting career uh, with hundreds and hundreds of credits. Uh, every kind of TV show you could think of um, for like 30 or 40 years, it seems. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, it kind of shows us how different careers used to be he's kind of jumped from thing to thing uh and he just worked constantly <laughs> right exactly and even julian glover who is by far the most prominent guest star we've had thus far didn't really get his major on-screen break until the 80s which is wild to think about because he's great here not to jump too far ahead but um he's quite I, wonderful i agree i actually think this, this, this guest cast is phenomenal in general yeah, it's it's a it's one of the few serials I can think of where uh, scenes that just have guest actors like talking and um, you know interacting with each other are just as like you don't need our regular characters in the scenes to give them heft. Um, they, right. they kind of support their own scenes. They do, and it also helps. That this is one of the advantages that historical ones have that maybe young kids might not care about a little bit, but you know, Richard the Lionheart, Saladin, these are powering historical figures who you know obviously we're still talking about uh, and so that kind of whereas with like a sci-fi one you have to do a little more work to get the audience invested in the character i think yeah uh, essentially like the crusade which is like built it has like this built-in conflict that um you know goes without saying is st- still has historical relevance to this day um it's pretty potent stuff almost too potent for um <laughs> our characters to really be walking around and goofing around in <laughs> there's sometimes where i'm like there's, there's a pivotal scene where the uh, doctor's like we can't get involved and i'm like you're damn right you can't <laughs> <laughs> are you crazy uh. <laughs> um uh. But uh, that oh, we'll get into all of that soon enough. I think the last point we need to hit here, uh, we can talk about um, both how the reconstruction is and kind of what it can, what it provides to the missing episodes, and what it kind of takes away from the uh, missing episodes, in my opinion. Um, let's talk about how uh, this is. These are our old friends. I'm going to get it wrong. Loose cannon. All right. Well, before before I just want to quickly mention to. This will be a, a name that you won't recognize, right? But uh, okay. Uh, but people who've already watched classic Doctor Who uh, might. Um, Nicholas Courtney was almost uh, cast as Richard Lionheart, and Nicholas Courtney is a guy you're going to be seeing a lot in '70s Doctor Who. Ooh. Uh, and so uh, that was a, that was a brief note to, to mention as well. I like that. That's exciting. <laughs> Oh, for some reason, I like it and have like these little like half teases of stuff to come. I don't know why. Like that should be frustrating, but it's not. It, it intrigues me. I'm glad. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, so as mentioned, this, these uh, the missing episodes have been reconstructed, um, and these aren't official BBC animations. Um, these are, in fact, um, well, they're not even used from tele snaps, really, um, as I understand it. So it's not even quite like I was gonna draw comparison to like the uh the marco polo reconstruction which 
kind of had a this key guest actor come in in character, do a little intro and an outro, and then using uh, photos. But these, uh, where did they pull the photos from on this? Do you know? Are you sure they weren't telesnaps? I thought they were. I thought I, 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 uh, I could be mistaken. I thought I read somewhere that this, that the telesnap, I may have misunderstood, I may have misunderstood not- a special feature or something okay. or an article. So uh, perhaps, perhaps uh, strike that. Uh, shake the extra sketch, everybody. Well, let, um, let me look at it real quick. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, yeah. But uh, while you're looking, uh, this also kind of gives us a uh, intro and an outro. But this one's not in character. It's um, Julian Glover as himself kind of reminiscing about the, uh, uh, the filming of the uh, Crusades. And it's... Uh, as you may imagine, it's a it's a lovely interview. Um, he seems very affable. Uh, he provides these little recaps of the uh, episodes that do exist. And um, look, they're lovely. He seems like a lovely man. He seems very comfortable in life. <laughs> and um, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of envious sometimes. Um, but yeah, um, this is the, the reconstructions are done through uh, still photos and. Uh, I don't remember these from Marco Polo, um, but that doesn't mean that they weren't there. So, There's also these so, little like running, uh, running like little like stage directions at the bottom of the screen. Well, something something Marco Polo had was like they did like a whole thing for a radio Radio Times a magazine where they had a whole bunch of, like behind the scenes footage of of the production. So that's why we had like color photos for Marco Polo. Whereas for this one, I thought they were just like. Tele, tele snaps where they just someone took a picture of it like the director something that took a picture of the television screen right um, and so yeah tele snaps exist um yeah so they were tele snaps for this oh. story uh <laughs> another mm-hmm. another crack research job by a pop culture historian <laughs> sorry everybody um <laughs> uh we, so yeah so they are tele snaps great yeah um I'll just say, um, maybe the only thing that holds this back from being one of the all-time greats is that uh, I feel like, as opposed to other missing episodes, I think you know animation obviously adds a fluidity. Um, but, you know, I, I think back to like Edge of Destruction, where uh, once you kind of got used to the animation style, you kind of got into the groove. You it mean Reign of Terror? Reign of Terror, yes. <laughs> I don't know what's with me today. Yeah, Reign of Terror. Is there even, what did I say, Edge of Darkness? You said Edge, Edge of Destruction. Destruction. Which is, is a serial from season okay. one. Okay, not okay. At, at least I didn't make something up, um, which is what I was really afraid of. Um, <laughs> you know, that serial, Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> Classic. Yeah, good, good, good Doctor Who story. Um, the telesnaps are a little awkward. I mean, it's not the fault of either the serial or on the part of the reconstructionist. You, you work with what you have. And I think given what they had, I think some of it's done quite artfully. Um, I think they do a pretty good job of taking cliffhanger, uh, cliffhanger resolution footage from the top of an episode and uh, of an existing episode and kind of using that as cliffhanger footage for the reconstructed episode, which I thought was pretty clever. But uh, sometimes, you know, 
some of the more action-oriented scenes uh, just get totally lost in translation, and um, the, the stage directions don't quite cut it. And um, so some of that stuff is a little awkward and kind of make things less clear than um, they could be had the episode existed, which, again, is not the fault of the episode, but it is what it is. Well, of course, all that's also part of the reason why this one hasn't been animated yet as well. Because you kind of look at it and you say, like, okay, season one, they've animated Rain of Terror. There's only animate Marco Polo all of season one is at least very available to watch, even if it's done with animation. You know, season two, two episodes, all you have to do is animate. You know, why haven't they done the Crusades yet? It seems like an obvious one to do. Right. Uh, and, the, well, the reason is a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, something they started doing, they didn't, they weren't doing this when they animated Reign of Terror. Reign of Terror was one of the earlier ones that, were, that was animated. Um, but in recent animations, they've started animating every episode, including ones that exist. So when you, like, when you go and buy the DVD or Blu-ray of it, you still have those episodes as they are, the ones that we still have. Um, so they don't like, those aren't gone or replaced, but they've also just animated every single episode, including ones like this. And they animate them in color and in black and white. Uh, that's very cool. But what's the purpose of that? I don't really know. Other than maybe it just, I, I, it seems to me, and I'm not entirely certain on all the economics of this, but it seems to me the most expensive thing is in the sets and the character design. And oftentimes the sets and characters are on all the episodes, so it's not that much more expensive to just do them all. Do them, just do them all, yeah. And it's that a- way, that way you can kind of enjoy it as a kind of a seamless animated thing instead of like going, you know, show animation, show animation. You know what I mean? And um, you know that yeah. way it's less awkward if the animation doesn't really match what the show looks like. Yeah, using you know, saying let's just animate seven episodes instead of three, it's probably cheaper to in the long run per episode to animate all six or seven. That kind of makes sense to me. I also wonder if the animated episodes have their own kind of established fan base um, where people. I mean, I presume. I mean, people uh, fandoms can get so fragmented and specific. <laughs> I, I have to imagine the animated episodes are uh, well-liked by some. Uh, maybe they just prefer to watch some episodes animated. Potentially. Uh, potentially. I think mostly just most fans just want it all to be animated. You know, even if it's crappy. Sure. I mean, right, look. It's just like, you know, it just, we, we want it all to be there uh, and it's too, just trying to enjoy it. You know, obviously we like nice animations, but the BBC is only going to spend so much right. on animation. So, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, there's there's definitely fans who who will go and you know uh, who care about the animations. I'm you know, I'm one of them too. Um, Certainly. Uh, but yeah, so so for this one, when we talk about, I mean, we we just mentioned some of the guest cast. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters. Um, and then there's a lot of characters. Plus, when they change wardrobes, that's like a whole new character design in and of itself as well. And they change wardrobes a couple times in this one. Uh, you know, Josh Snares, I, I, he, he does a whole bunch of videos on missing episodes and yes. anime episodes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Years ago, he did an episode where he ranked the missing serials from 
least likely to most likely to get animated soon, right? Like, it kind of like, you know, here's probably the ones that are more likely animated. I mean, he, he had a couple of factors. He found this one second least likely or second <laughs> most difficult or most expensive to be animated. Just because uh, of all, hmm. all the sets, the action, the, um, he also said the, the quality of the audio was poor, which I thought it was okay, but that's, I guess that's kind of what's thought of, thought in, in the industry. Quality of the audio is poor, and there's so many characters. And so far, a lot of what he's kind of predicted, because this video is a couple of years old, and I actually watched it again recently, a lot of what he's predicted actually happened. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of inclined to uh, take his word for this one. Yeah, and I got to tell you, um, his videos are very, very uh, appealing <laughs> uh, to me. I haven't been able to watch – I won't be able to watch one, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but um, I just love the way his videos flow. I love the design. I love – just – yeah, I can't recommend those enough. Um, I agree. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Uh, just very, very thorough stuff. Um, is there any? Is there anything uh, – I don't know if I uh, got your opinion on um, how these reconstructed episodes played to you um, or if there's anything you wanted to add in regards to that. Um, I, I agree that anytime there was action, uh, it, it was, you know, you had the scrolling stage directions on the bottom. It was just kind of like, it, it was a bit difficult to enjoy and kind of difficult to understand what was going on too. I mean, you kind of got the broad sense of what was going on, but like, the specifics, yeah, it was tough. Uh, like, like in the last episode when Ian goes to try to save Barbara, that was pretty incomprehensible. Yeah, and there's a, there's a scene in the second episode where uh, Barbara, I, I think Barbara's like running through the, sh- the streets or like a, a, a kind of a city square or something, and it was not, it just wasn't clear what was going on. Yeah, and uh, but I will say what saves it, I think, is that. Despite all that, this is not a super action-oriented serial. There's a lot of there's a lot of talking, which doesn't mean it's boring, but a lot, a lot of that carries. And two, uh, I mean, the guest cat Julian Glover, uh, this is mm. he's so compelling through audio that you almost don't mind it. It almost you know, the scenes where he and Joanna are uh, kind of going at it. It's like a radio play sometimes, and I think that that kind of adds. It, this could have been a lot worse if it had been something like uh, one of the Dalek episodes where it really is all, it feels like a lot of action. Agreed. And especially with the Dalek episodes, you can't tell which Dalek is talking. Just by the audio. <laughs> so that's right. Uh, and then even if they had telesnaps, like telesnap of one Dalek to another one also would not be very helpful. Um, yeah, and, I, and I do appreciate the, uh, the loose cannon people for, for doing this. You know, it's definitely better than just listening to it. Uh, totally agreed. Um, potential last order of business only because I can't, I'm all over the place tonight. I don't remember. <laughs> did we just, do we, how do we feel about this serial? Did we discuss how we actually, we, I guess we haven't. Yeah. How, uh, <laughs> what, was your, what was your reaction to it? Uh, I liked it. Uh, again, um, different, different feel for uh, Dr. Who kind of getting that kind of classical kind of Royal Shakespeare feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting, interesting, interesting story. Um, I actually felt like um, 
moment to moment, uh, the, the, uh, the, I'll just skip, I'll, I'll just get right to it. Barbara felt a little underserved in this episode, even if it didn't feel like that moment to moment, it felt like she was kind of this driving force of the action. And then going to the synopsis, it's just kind of her getting captured, almost escaping, getting captured again. And escape. Uh, so there's a little bit of wheel turning that wasn't evident upon watching it. That kind of kept more, became more apparent when I went back to my notes and read it and kind of went through like the beat by beat synopsis. So stuff like that only became apparent, you know, while prepping for the episode, but it didn't feel all that um, superfluous while watching it. It felt like it was moving along, it felt like a, uh, it felt like a play uh, in certain aspects. Um, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, I like this one too. I think this one's a little overlooked. Um, you know, I think uh, I think part of the reason it's overlooked is two episodes are missing. You know, I mean, I think yeah. I think, and, and it doesn't have like the Marco Polo has kind of a uh, it's the first missing episode and it's the seven episode epic with these beautiful behind the scenes photos. So I think you know some missing episodes kind of get this legendary status, and some missing episodes kind of get a negative reputation. This one mostly seems like it just it doesn't get talked about much. And I think that's just because even if the historical ones are better overall, sci-fi ones are still kind of when you think the concepts capture your attention more, you know? I, Absolutely. I, and I think even like when we go through the ones that have been animated, a lot of the ones that have been animated have been sci-fi ones as well. Um, and so I still think, I still think, uh, you know, when it comes to talking about missing episodes, your mind naturally gravitates towards the more interesting concepts ones versus, you know, I think this one's really good, really good serial uh, and overlooked. I like it a lot. Even what you're talking about with Barbara, you're right. Barbara kind of does just keep getting captured. I think what keeps it from, from maybe feeling too redundant or maybe like Barbara kind of getting pigeonholed into that damsel in distress archetype is that Barbara's never helpless. No. This, throughout this serial. There's never a point where she just waits to be rescued. Um, and so I think, I think that's why you don't necessarily notice it while you're watching it or listening to it in parts. Whereas when you do, when you do go back and think about it, you're like, yeah, Barbara just kind of spent the whole time being captured, didn't she? Yeah, you're right. It's always a case of, um, you know, she gets taken back to Elakir, and then she's like, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to find a new way to get out, and um, other people bail her out. Um, <laughs> it is, it was kind of funny that um, the main villain's uh, downfall is that everyone hates him because he's an ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, she, yeah. yeah, he keeps getting thwarted by, like, you know, <laughs> you know the harem of girls, like, help Barbara because they hate him. Uh, <laughs> A random townsperson helps out Barbara because she hates him like here. Like and for right. good reason. Yeah. He's a monstrous man. This is probably one of the darkest um historical backdrops on the show since maybe the French Revolution. Which maybe also yep. kind of keeps it from feeling too frothy. Like if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably watch the Romans again, even though they're they're not that far apart in quality. I mean, Romans I think it's also dark. I don't know what am I talking Romans, about. Yeah. It's a, Doctor Who is a dark show. It just sometimes it pretends like it's not dark. I, I don't know if that's the right way of putting that. But yeah, it's, no, I get you. Yeah, it, it, 
it doesn't it sometimes it dwells in the darkness and sometimes it doesn't i think that's a good tone to hit though because i think if it got too heavy um might freak out kids but it also might just start getting like this isn't the escapist show that i want <laughs> i was kind of looking for True. But it also yeah, doesn't, I mean, doesn't always cheat the reality of things either, which is nice. Right. It's a, it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, the Crusades itself is also an uh, intensely uh, touchy subject. And um, one has to realize this was made in the, the UK in the 60s. Um, <laughs> it has its own perspective of history. Uh, pop culture historians will do a lot of things, but we won't do is weigh in on <laughs> the Crusades. Although something um, I will say is I do think as far as crusades being uh, depicted in the media, especially in the 60s and 50s, over that, this is one of the more balanced portrayals you'll probably see, even if it did include blackface. Um, yeah. <laughs> you just gotta, you gotta expect that by now. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, it's not the last time we're going to be uh, coming across this. It was yeah. commonplace at the time, unfortunately. Yep. It's a shame, um, but what can you do? Um. Yeah, it is balanced, and I will say a lot of the motivations of both uh, Richard and um, uh, Saladin, uh, they both have legitimate reasons to distrust each other, and I'm glad that the show never tried to um, tip the balance of that too much, um, which kind of made for some pretty compelling uh, motiva- motivated conflict uh, throughout. Agreed, agreed. Um, and they didn't portray either of them as like evil or idiots or anything like that. It was, um, it was definitely, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not always sure. I think the Doctor Who serials capture the reality when it comes to the historical ones, but I, mm-hmm. I do think they, I do think they, they, they try to mix, I think the myth and legend of it with some reality. Absolutely. Do you want to do dive in? Yeah, let's do it. We start, as always, from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> episode one, The Lion, which is a great name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we start, like all great Shakespearean stories must, uh, in the forest. <laughs> We're in, um, in fact, if I, as I recall correctly, the first characters we meet aren't uh, the Doctor or uh, his companions at all. It's King Richard and his uh, associates. Yeah, and they're uh, maybe not uh, fully respecting the dangerous situation that they're in. Uh, no, yeah, they're kind of they're kind of screwing around, talking about um, their various sports and their hunts. Uh, he's with his um, companions. A couple of key ones to keep track of here: uh, uh, the very similarly names William de Tornabu mm-hmm. and William de Pro. I probably messed that up. Um, but uh, stash those names for later. They will become important pretty quickly. Um, but um, their, uh, their little hunt and their little uh, <laughs> bros night out um, is um, uh, interrupted pretty quickly uh, when they get uh, attacked by a group of Saracens. And why does this matter? Because uh, this skirmish kind of takes, uh, makes its way over to where the TARDIS, the Doctor, and our... Uh, beloved companions, Ian, Barbara, and Vicky, have kind of crash-landed and found themselves, uh, which kind of makes it, uh, it kind of makes this their problem now. 
and uh, uh, a big battle ensues, and um, a lot goes on here. Um, most important of which is that uh, in the skirmish, uh, Barbara is a uh, is, is nabbed by the Saracens. She's tied up and gagged and uh, taken away, and um, thus begins her <laughs> long adventure. Uh, Ina uh, helps fight off the uh, Saracens with the doctor. Um, they realize Barbara's gone. And uh, uh, this is a good time to start checking in our uh, uh, associates of King Richard, uh, William de Tornabu. Um, what's going on with him there, Jimmy? So this is, this is where Ian and him were kind of like banded together to fight together, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, which is fortunate for Ian because it pretty quickly wins him favor with a very influential part of the King's court. Um, yeah. yeah. And so they don't know where Vicky is. I mean, sorry, they don't know where Barbara is. They don't know she's been taken prisoner. Yeah. And of course, you know, every, episode, every serial has to begin with why don't they just get up and leave, right? I mean, it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the, the tropes of the show. They've got a, they, they have a magic box and go anywhere, anywhere. Uh, they, they have to come over there leaving. Um, yeah, so- either the TARDIS is broken, someone's been captured, or the doctor wants to run around and explore are usually the three options. <laughs> the third one's usually the most interesting. but uh, I think so. Uh, at least at this point, uh, you can't have that. It's a uh, and, Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they, they agree. They're, you know, Torbu's wounded, wounded, and they need to take him back to King Richard's court, but they don't want to go in their modern garb. So they need, they need clothes. <laughs> and so the doctor and Vicky run a con on some unsuspecting. Uh, yeah, unsuspecting... Walk, us, walk us through this if you can. <laughs> Uh, so, so basically they, they find, seems like they intentionally try to find the like most crooked shopkeeper they could. <laughs> you and, just reminded me of something funny in episode oh, two, okay. uh, but, but sorry. Uh, and so the doctor's looking around, acting rich, uh, he was looking at some clothes and the shopkeeper's like trying to convince him. And so shopkeeper gets distracted by someone who's come to like basically give him stolen clothes. Uh, and so they, the doctor like hides and takes a bunch of clothes and puts them on the table and then goes back and talks to the shopkeeper. And while he's distracting the shopkeeper, Vicky runs off with the clothes. Uh, but <laughs> just, I don't know. I don't know if I did a, a justice in describing it, but it was, it was kind of a delightful little scene where you just watch the doctor blatantly steal from... <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah well they're stolen clothes so that's kind of the cheat right so it's not like the doctor right. is really doing anything bad no it's right. another it's another entry in the long canon of scenes of the doctor just kind of um bamboozling somebody um, <laughs> it's always funny um he, uh william hartnell's always great at it because he just again he has like this crotchety old man thing about him but he just he, He's so impish sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and it, it kind of plays on that whole, like, he's old, but sometimes he acts like a child type. Right. You know, dichotomy that, um, 
that works well, I think. I think, and I think, like you said, Hartnell just plays it perfectly. Uh, quick note about um, Ian uh, before we move on to seeing what's going on with the other William. Um, something I didn't really mention where Barbara's story kind of feels like it falters, um, even though it, that's only under analysis. I feel like Ian has the opposite. I feel like uh, his story is great, even though he's like barely in this. Um, I really like, like, I really like what happens to him in these, uh, in these episodes. I agree. And I think, I think part of the problem with Ian's story too, is this is four episode serial. William Russell was on holiday for the third episode. Right. And so for two of the episodes we can actually watch, he was I mean, he had some pre-recorded film segments for the third episode, but he was barely in that third episode. Right. So he, so of the two we could actually watch, he was only really in one of them a lot. And so I think, I think that kind of helps diminish because, you know, just visually you don't see him a lot. You know, obviously he's in the second and fourth episode a lot, but that's all audio. Yeah. That's a great observation. But considering, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to, it's, it's, it's so funny. I'm always like, I don't want to step on anything, even though I, I can't imagine anyone like listening to this who hasn't like already watched this stuff, but I guess it's possible. Um, but yeah, he gets like this great, he gets this great little, it's not even really an arc. He just gets like, this great series of moments, including one very cool uh, moment in the last episode. And um, that should be, and, and, uh, big ups to Ian on this one uh he's he's kind of been letting me down the last few um serials so uh high marks uh, to you mr chesterton <laughs> fair enough uh let's see yeah we should bounce over to the other william uh william the right. pro who's kind of a, himself in kind of a, a little uh bamboozle well at least attempted right. one he he declared he was king richard right right yeah he gets when captured they... by the saracens right and so did barbara so he and barbara are together Yep. And, you know, William DePro wants to, you know, try to help Barbara out. And so he, they decide that Barbara will say that she is King Richard's sister, Joanna. Seems, seems like a logical um, plan. Uh, I mean, <laughs> sort of. I mean, Barbara immediately recognized he wasn't Richard because he didn't look like historical descriptions of Richard with uh, red hair, right? Yeah, yeah. Richard yeah. has a very famous, um, easily recognizable visual cue, um, which is his red hair. That's of course, the Barbara pro does not have. History teacher, right? And so mm-hmm. she wouldn't know that. So uh, this, <laughs> uh, this is another uh, Doctor Who trope that I love. Um, Ella Keir, we're introduced to our, um, our sort of big bad of the, uh, of the next few episodes. Uh, who's a senior member of the Saracen army who uh, is going to take them over to uh, be seen by Saladin, who is Saladin's brother. Saladin, of course, being the uh, leader of the Saracens. Uh, would it be wrong to jump to what happens now? No, let's, yeah, yeah, let's jump to what happens now, yeah. Well, uh, as, all, as all harebrained schemes um, <laughs> must on Doctor Who, this one dies a quick death because uh, Saracen goes, you're not Richard and you're not Joanna. I know what they look like. <laughs> Right. Well, of course, Alec here was like, "You are gonna like love me." I got King Richard as a prisoner right now, and and they're like skeptical. They're like, "Bullshit! I'll believe it when I see it." Uh, and so he's super <laughs> cocky, bringing in William DePro and Joanna. I mean, um, and Barbara. Uh, but but I will say the, the scheme works because the point of the scheme was to get Richard to safety. 
And sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, the, the team was never convinced Saladin that he has King Richard prisoner for an extended period of time. I, mean, I think right. I think William DePro would have taken that, but it was never the intention, you know. So, uh, I would argue the scheme worked and it met its logical conclusion. I suppose you're right, but what uh, it's, it certainly does Alec here no favors. Who's kind of <laughs> had his pride, pride wounded. I, I think it's safe to say. Oh, he and, was um, embarrassed more than his pride wounded. He was embarrassed to the the Sultan. I would think that's what Saladin yeah. is, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's, that's a pretty big deal, especially someone who's trying to curry favor. So yeah, well, I'm sure he's going to handle it um, very well, and uh, there'll be no future problems from Alec here. <laughs> uh, one thing we should mention about um, the other William, uh, William de Tornabu, is that um, I, don't, I don't know if we mentioned this, but um, uh, Ian does have um, Richard's belt, uh, which was given to him by de Tornabu. Oh, right. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Which becomes important when um, uh, they all meet. Um, the doctor right. brings de Tornabu to um, the court of King Richard who uh, seems pretty, uh, pretty heated about this uh, Saracen um, sneak attack and uh, is <laughs> ready to fight back. Right. Um, exactly, yeah. And... So this is kind of where we get one of these uh, interesting conflicts. Um, right. And Richard, Richard's full of them. I think, I think it's really interesting how they write in here. Because mm-hmm. they need him. They need him to be chill because um, they want to... They want to rescue Barbara, and they need his help to do that. But um, Richard doesn't want to talk to Saladin. He doesn't want to do any negotiation. He's not going to help with Barbara. He doesn't care. Um, he's ready to whoop some ass right now. Yeah. And um, this is where the belt becomes important. Um, they return it to Richard, and it seems like there's going to be a turning point here. Um, this 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 token of good favor. But um, what's Richard's response? Anger. I mean, yeah, he was happy to get the belt back, so that's not going to, like... Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to do it. And Ian kind of overplayed his hand here a little bit, too, I think. You know, he gives him the belt and being like, hey, you know, you got your belt back. Why don't I go and see if I can treat and trade with them? And Richard's like, no. (laughs) Saladin's men just killed a bunch of my friends. I'm not going to trade with them ever. I'm going to make them pay. And that's the cliffhanger for the episode. And you know what? It doesn't sound sexy to say it. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like a very meaty cliffhanger. But I think it's one of the better ones we've had because it's totally conflict-driven. And you know what? It's hard to argue with Richard. Like, he's not wrong. Yeah. He's probably needs to cool his head, but, uh, you know. Right. No, I agree. It's much better than, um, oh, no, is this spike coming out of the wall going to kill Ian? Right. No. <laughs> I didn't get out of this one. He just does. I don't. I mean, like, yeah, I agree. It's, this is this one is actually gonna. You know, it's gonna be a problem. The Tar team actually have to work to solve as part of the story. I agree. This is. I, I prefer. I much prefer cliffhangers like this one. Yeah, which kind of leads us right to the top of episode two, the night of Jaffa. The night of Jaffa. Um, again, another solid uh, episode name. I thought. Agreed. Um, yeah, they basically have to like reason with. King Richard, and I think they do it in a pretty clever way. They basically say, um, "God, is it? Think about how embarrassed Aladdin's going to be when he realizes he hasn't had, doesn't actually have you captured." 
And this is enough for Richard to kind of change his tune, which I also really liked. <laughs> um, uh, I agree. But, but also, you bought it because of the, the way it was done, like the way the doctor kind of led him to it. Um, yeah, it's another kind of negotiation scene that uh, Hartnell does so well. Um, he's, just, he's just such a big asset. I know he's not around um, forever. Uh, um, I'll tell you this now. I, I already pre-miss uh, William Hartnell in this role. And I, I, I mean, not, not even done with him yet. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's fair. I mean, he's great. And, you know, I mean, Ryan, it's entirely possible. William <laughs> always be your favorite version of this character. Um, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll say, you know, my wife, Rebecca, she's not a huge Doctor Who fan, but she's seen pretty much every Doctor, almost every single Doctor at this point, just by virtue of me watching it. And Hartnell's her favorite. Team Hartnell, all the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Uh, she, she, she's not wrong. I mean, I have nothing else to base it off of. He's absolutely <laughs> my favorite doctor right now. It'll be interesting to track that. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, just love the guy in this. Um, so we got Richard squared away. Um, but he has and another he, problem. We need Joanna. Yeah, we yeah. need Joanna. Yeah. And. Um, uh, yeah, describe this scene here. I, uh, my, my notes are a little unclear, uh, I'm afraid. This is, this is basically where everyone breaks off, right? Yes. Um, you know, basi- yeah, just basically, you know, it's more of an introduction to Joanna. Um, and, of course, they're saying Vicky's a boy. For reasons I wasn't quite clear about, and something I think is kind of funny is no one else is really clear about it either. No, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought I had missed something, but... Um, clearly not. I, I think it was just a situation where I, I, I think it was uncommon in the 1100s to have a girl as a ward. The doctor wanted to say Vicky was his ward and not like sure. daughter thing because you know, uh, then you might have someone who might want to marry her or something. Right. That's, that's what I'm guessing, but I never explain it really. And I don't know if they tell me that was cut from the script for time or something, but uh, I, for whatever reason, they're saying Vicky's Victor. Yeah, it struck me as maybe they were trying to do like a Shakespearean or like a Renaissance entertainment trope of like a, a woman disguised as a man, but they didn't have like an organic way to do it. So this is kind of their way to do it, perhaps. Yeah, um, I think so. Which is not the worst thing in the world. It's not. A, it's not obnoxious. Again, with the this is introduced in a reconstructed episode, so I thought. I thought eh, maybe I just missed something. Um, it, it, and maybe it's possible. Not the most focused person ever. So it's you know, but, um, but it's also possible there were some nonverbal cues given by Hartnell or something when he introduced Victor that it's lost the time now. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll never know. Uh. So now we're back with Alec here, who's uh, kind of licking his wounds and uh, trying to plan his revenge on Barbara because this is Barbara's fault, apparently. <laughs> and this is this is what I was laughing about earlier. This is where we meet. <laughs> uh, I didn't know his name from the episode, but I'm reading here. Um, he's described as a Genoese merchant, Luigi Ferrigio, <clears throat> who from the photo 
the telesnaps that we have available look not unlike like an SNL character to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's that's my observation on on uh, he, Luigi. He didn't quite look like he fit in with everyone else, and maybe that was intentional, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's from. I don't think he was supposed to be from around there, quote unquote. But um, right, it just seemed funny. He was like a different vibe from the rest of the serial, which was played kind of straight. Um, this is another. Um, this is the first of um many uh, failed attempt uh, escape attempts by Barbara. Um, Luigi. Well, it, also, it also should be mentioned, like whoever her attendant was, like because Saladin is you know, portrayed as kind of a compassionate warlord if there's such a thing, where he's kind to his prisoners. Yes. Uh, which I believe is historically accurate. Um, and so Barbara has this, like, attendant who comes up and, like, warns her. Right. Um, yeah, they, they make a big point of that in episode one, where after Elikir kind of eats shit, uh, Saladin's, like, these prisoners are to be treated kindly. And, um, yeah, I'm glad we doubled back and mentioned that, because that is important. <laughs> later on i think um but so here she kind of gets warned like elakir kind of gets you um and then just as soon as he leaves this luigi comes in and like (laughs) hey i'm breaking out barbara and she's like she's like kind of suspicious but then she's also kind of like yeah might as well uh but like so he takes her out but he leaves the glove behind uh At a risk of being insensitive, he pulls an OJ. <laughs> well, it's not insensitive. He didn't do it. So oh, fair enough. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Elakir takes Barbara over to uh, uh, Lida. <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard for me to pronounce. They do say it a lot, but um, well, yeah, what can I say? Um, which is the town that she'll find herself in uh, soon enough. Uh, we do get a little resolution. We kick back over to uh, Victor, quote-unquote, and the Doctor. We kind of get resolution from this uh, stolen clothes shenanigans. Um, <laughs> again, they didn't need to bring this up a second episode. I'm glad they did. Um, they basically get the, 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 the Chamberlain and the shopkeeper basically track them down and accuse them of theft, uh, <laughs> which seems bad. But then um, another, uh, another a stroke of good fortune hits the Doctor, um, when uh, it revealed that the, uh, the the guy who originally sold the clothes is like with the Chamberlain, isn't that right? Yeah, and so he he navigates a situation where he gets someone else to take all of the blame, and he gets to keep the clothes still somehow. <laughs> That's the doc. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> yeah, once again, he kind of just floats coasts through these. Um, Pretty stressful situation, scot free. You gotta love it. Yeah. So this is. I think. Big, yeah. He he just at like controlling conversation. I think like he gets accused of something, and he immediately like turns into an inquisitor, and and, and like he starts accusing everyone else of something. You get and, the like, feeling like, he'd be a good lawyer. Absolutely, I think I think uh, Harnell would definitely be uh, this doctor would definitely be a great lawyer. <laughs> uh. The only real note for um, Ian here is that he gets knighted, which is um, which I loved. Pretty cool, yeah. I I thought Ian being knighted is perfect for the character because he is kind of a gallant 
character. He's chivalrous. Um, you know, I feel like he, you know, he definitely embodies that kind of night, ideal knightly spirit. Yeah, it's, it's Sir Ian. Um, I think it's awesome. Sir Ian of Jaffa, yeah. Yeah, the, the Knight of Jaffa. He is the titular mm-hmm. Knight of Jaffa. He gets some... Um, he gets his gets his assignment. Um, he's going to Saladin Saladin's court to request the release of the pro and Barbara. And in exchange, uh, Lady Joanna will be given to him. Uh, well, the Saffadin. Um, right. So this is something Joanna doesn't know. No, she does not. So this is something that Richard, I think, early episode had kind of like come to the realization of. Like, there's a way to potentially end a war here if Joanna will marry the Saladin's brother. And so that's what caused him to really be willing to negotiate with Saladin is that bigger picture of, of maybe peace and ending the conflict. Because he's, he's not an idiot. He knows taking Jerusalem is going to be a difficult thing. And of course, ultimately he doesn't. Um, right. You know, his history plays out. And so, you know, he's, he's just kind of a, a little bit of a, maybe not Hail Mary, but like, you know, last ditch attempt to settle this conflict. Look, for the 1100s, this is not the worst idea in the world. Um, I, I, especially like in a quote unquote honor bound society. I, I feel like this wouldn't matter now, like to me, um, but... <laughs> No, look, it's probably better than uh, you know, possibly um, losing a lot of men's lives up to including your own. I don't know. It's, it's worth it, except for one key problem, which, of course, uh, Joanna doesn't know about this, um, as you mentioned. Well, more, more than just that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll have to tuck that away for later. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> this is for... <laughs> Uh, poor Luigi here. Uh, he, wants, <laughs> he wants to have an audience with the Sultan, but um, he uh, <laughs> he admits to the pro that he um, helped kidnap Barbara. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is I, where I, his glove comes back. Like, like he's like, I don't know what happened, and then someone's like, then why was this there? And he, <laughs> he's like, he's like just shit, and then like runs and gets killed. <laughs> Yeah, poor, uh, poor Luigi. He he died as he lived, hilariously. Uh, Barbara, this is okay. This is another scene that wasn't uh, super clear um, because it, it was more visual. We don't have a lot of visuals, but seems like Barbara basically makes a run for it and um, leads a chase through the um, uh, the streets of. Uh, I'm never gonna get the name right. Uh, Lida. But all of a sudden, she gets pulled away into an alleyway. And that gets us to the end of episode two. Um, ex- ex- exciting cliffhanger, which is, um, uh, you know, um, resolved pretty quickly uh, in episode three. Uh, the Wheel of Fortune. With... I think probably worked a lot better at the time, but now I think of a game show. Yeah, it would be like uh, an episode four is called Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, which I, I can see how Wheel of Fortune is a cool name, right? Because it's about the changing fortunes. But um, no, now it just reminds me of a game show. So. Yeah. No Pat Sajak in this episode. But we do have Haruna, Haruna Dean. <laughs> you know, it's that old trope of uh, all of a sudden a, a hand clamps over the mouth of one of our heroes. But turns out it's just someone trying to um, bring them to safety. And, uh, just trying to keep them from screaming. Although, wouldn't covering someone's mouth make them more likely to scream? Yeah, I've always wondered about this. There's a cu- there's a couple of like bad guy tropes that always make me kind of scratch my head. That's one of them. Like un- unexpected like body contact. <laughs> and this is not relevant to the show, but it always makes me laugh when like someone makes their escape. Like whoever, uh, Jack Bauer's daughter is running from <laughs> running from the terrorists, and the terrorists always go like, "Hey, come back here." <laughs> it's like oh okay Stop. yeah oh that always works yeah see if we just reason with them but anyway so uh haruna, haruna dean is a character that i actually quite liked um uh, again this is another one uh ella Kier, who's kind of like who's kind of turning into the thanos of the uh of the uh, crusader verse because everyone has a bone to pick with that, him that was a stretch right <laughs> well because was, here's a man who's uh is killed Haruna, Haruna Dean uh, is willing to help out Barbara. Although I'm not, it wasn't clear to me how he knows. Did he just see like a woman run from him and assume? That- right. Well, I mean, because this, this the way it's unless again, unless there's something missing in that second episode where it shows him like walking down the street and seeing that whole situation. This seems like the luckiest break for Bar- Barbara. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. little convenient. It's, it's you know. And convenience happens in plots, I get it. But this one is a very, very convenient break for Barbara. Yeah. So it turns out uh, Ella uh, Kier had uh, Haruna Dean's wife uh, and son killed. And uh, one of his two daughters uh, kidnapped and uh, taken God knows where. So he is more than willing to help, uh, help Barbara out here if it means possibly taking out Ella Kier. So in that sense, he's the... Uh, He's the uh, Thanos of the Crusades at first. <laughs> no, I stand by it. <laughs> this is your hill, Ryan. God damn it. <laughs> I see the windmills now. Um, <laughs> so we go back to uh, really quickly. Um, uh, Vicky, the, Vicky's true identity is... Um, uh, it's found out by Joanna pretty quickly. Right. Um, again, they barely, they barely so, try. Something that uh, that happens a lot in, in these kinds of shows, which I appreciate them kind of making fun of here a little bit, like when characters openly talk about their secrets where anyone could hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's happening here. Like the Doctor and Vicky are literally talking about how like they're keeping her gender a secret. <laughs> she was, like, right yeah, and she's like, huh? What? <laughs> uh, but um, Joanna gets over the, the ruse pretty quickly because she had a purpose in mind for the doctor and Vicky. And so, you know, she, she probably, she wasn't too happy about it, but she wanted basically the doctor and Vicky to spy, not spy, but she knows Richard's up to something. Yeah, but keep tabs yeah. on. Yeah. And so just let her know if anything's going on. And of course, the doctor and Vicky say yes, because if they said no, she could have them thrown in a cell or worse. Right. You do get two good, uh, this is a good um, show of range 
for um for Joanna here. Um more specifically Gene Marsh. Um can I get like this softer but calculating side and then go can I get this uh, eruption of um uh, I'll say passion, but not like in a romantic sense, but just in like a high, a high emotion later on in this episode. This is a very good showcase for her. And I think it's, it's a benefit that this episode survived that we actually get to, to see it. Um, I agree. I, I know. Cool. I, obviously, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anyway. So, yeah. So she's uh, they're kind of under her protection um, for a price. Um, Back to Harun and Barbara. Um, he takes off, but not before leaving um, his remaining daughter, Sophia. Not Sophia. Sophia. Um, he immediately gets, like, captured and, like, beaten up by Elakir's <laughs> men. Yeah. Well, he also left a knife behind so yes. Barbara can protect his, his daughter. She's supposed to like... use it on herself, wasn't it? Was that yeah, the implication? It was, it was, yeah. So she was supposed to, like... She'd rather her daughter, his daughter, be killed than taken. Uh, God biology. damn! Yeah, yeah. like oh yeah, that, that's pretty dark. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, but of course, there's there's a scene where like he's he's being encountered by the guards, and he like reaches for his knife, and it's not there, and then he gets knocked out. Hey, you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, Elakir's men uh, search the house. They find Barbara. Um, Sophia. Well, and so this, that was a pretty cool scene, I thought. Yeah, walk us Because, uh, well, because you know, Barbara and Sophia, you know, they they see their house, and the house is gonna be searched. So they go to a secret room behind a false wall, and you have a fairly tense scene where you have these two guys looking around, trying, you know, just just looking around to see if they can, because they know that the person's gonna be hiding, so they're looking in different hiding places. And I forgot exactly what tipped him off, but I think Sophia made a noise or something, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Oh, and, and then they said, okay, we know someone's here. We're going to smoke them out. We're going to let's burn the house down. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so Barbara's like, um, I, she, she realizes it's a pretty dangerous situation. So what she decides to do is leave Sophia there and she decides to risk just sneaking out on her own, which... A risky play, but if she had stayed there, she would have died in a fire, probably. So a- absolutely, a, a calculated risk, and it doesn't work out at all for her. Uh, she gets, but it's a tense scene while she's walking slowly, and she's behind the the guys, and there she's out of sight, and then they the guy turns around and sees her. But yeah, it's well done. It's well done. It's a really tense scene, and it was, it was well well put together. And of course, so now she's captured again. Uh, that's like the second or third recapturing, unfortunately. Right. But but again, like Barbara's never helpless in these situations. I think that's what makes it work. You know, no, she's, she's constantly fine. finding ways to escape. Right, and even in this situation, the only reason why she got captured again was to save uh, save the girl's life, Sophia. I had... Sophia, that's right. Yeah, uh, I am just eating crap on the names today, and I do apologize. I'm terrible. To <laughs> no, I I'm not to. better. I'm terrible with names. Um, um, I'm trying to figure out how to sort this because we can. Why don't we finish up um, Barbara's? Um, it's jumping to the end, but then we can kind of jump to Ian's one scene, and then we can kind of do this business with the Earl of Leicester. 
All right, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, well, Parker's taking back to Alec here, who decides to just go into full asshole mode. With <laughs> this really, really kind of um, chilling line about <laughs> the only thing left for her is death, which will not be coming for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he's like going to torture her to death, yeah. 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 So that's that's where we that's that's the cliffhanger of the episode, but um we're not we're not jumping to episode four just yet. Um, Ian's decided. Ian's I guess just decided to take a nap. Or no, well, yeah, yeah. So he's I think in the last episode he did reach Saladin, where he found out that Barbara wasn't there anymore. Okay. And so in this episode, he's on his way because like Elakir has him. He's like, okay, I'm gonna get him, but he he took a break. Yeah. yeah he's, uh, he's owed that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and. He is attacked by bandits and knocked out. That's it. That, that's it. Enjoy but your yeah. holiday. Enjoy your holiday, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> William Russell was on was on holiday for this, and this is a pre-recorded segment. Uh, so, um, from when they filmed the second episode, so you know that's why Ian wasn't in this one so much. Yeah, yeah look, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. So this is where we get to like, kind of the pivotal scene of the episode. Well, we're going to jump back to the pivotal scene of the episode. King Richard. Uh, announces his plan to marry off his sister to the sultan's brother um and (laughs) this is where you meet the earl of leicester who is less than pleased about this plan um uh furious as a matter of fact um but not as furious as joanna is herself who um although uh, something i something i do want to take a second to talk about just briefly I did enjoy the scene where the Earl of, of Leicester and the doctor were like arguing politics in front of King Richard. Yeah. You get the, again, you're going to get this, um, you know, it's very really, lawyer- that's, that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. It, it was very lawyerly where the, the doctor was pretty strongly and eloquently, um, you know, arguing a point, arguing a position that they, they shouldn't go to war. And of course, history is on the doctor's side because he knows what's going to happen. So we, he gets to be right about, about this pretty unambiguously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, he, he wins. Yeah, but, uh, but again, that's because he knows what's going to happen. It's like arguing about what you think is going to happen in a movie when you've already seen it. Like, <laughs> not, not much. Uh, but, but I do think the Earl of, how do you say that again? Lester? Yeah, Lester. Yeah, I, I, I do think his, his role is basically to sum up the reasons why they were there and what the thought and attitudes were at the time. And I thought, I thought that was well done as well because, you know, as far as the portrayal goes. Yeah. Adds a little historical context. You kind of get your education um, element there a little bit. But, um, uh, Joanna, it just turns out she, she's learned something she wasn't supposed to, which is that, uh, oh, she's going to be married to uh, the brother of Saladin. And um, she is rightfully a little upset about this. Um, and this leads to, and, you know, it's always, it's, it's always easy to get these heightened emotion scenes, kind of like the badge of, uh, you know, most memorable or best because you can really see them acting. But I will say this is the, um, this is the benefit of getting kind of distinguished British actors that it's, it's heightened. They are yelling, they are um, passionately defending their positions and speaking their minds, but it never feels like scenery chewing. It just feels like you're watching like a great, 
play. This is kind of this is kind of the stage aspect um, that I thought was kind of cool um, about this serial. Uh, kind of comes into play right here. Um, basically saying, you know, Joanne is basically saying, I'm never going to consent to this. How could you do this? <laughs> I'm my, I, you know, I'm, I'm my own person. Here comes the I will speak with my brother. Oh? What's this I hear? I can't believe it's true. Marriage to that heathenish man, that infidel. We will give you reasons for it. This unconsulted partner has no wish to marry. I am no sack of flour to be given in exchange. It is expedient. The decision has been made. Not by me. It never would. Joanna, please consider. The war is full of weary, wounded men. This marriage wants a little thought by you, that's all. Then you'll see the right of it. And how would you have me go to Safferdin? Bathed in oriental perfume, I suppose. Suppliant, tender and affectionate. Soft-eyed and trembling. Eager with a thousand words of compliment and love. Well, I like a different way to meet the man I am to wed. Well, if it's a meeting you want. I do not want. I will not have it. Joanna. And and more to the point, because... Well, that's true. Um, you, know, I, you know, I'm not a historian, but it was fairly common to marry off siblings uh, for political purposes. Absolutely. Uh, but for the people of the time, this marriage was probably a step further than most would have been willing to accept. Not just Joanna either, right? I mean... Well, it's super risky. <laughs> It was super risky, and she was going to appeal to Rome. You know, she was going to appeal to the Vatican. Right. Uh, in, you know, and so uh, this, this marriage was kind of doomed, even if she was for it a little bit, I think, too. And that's even something previous in the episode we've got to talk about. Saladin kind of realized, because when his brother got the yes. letter, he's like, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Saladin's like, hey, listen, I'll support you, but come on. You think, no, right. you think they brought their army here just to get married? I mean... Uh, yeah, Saladin's absolutely right here. I mean, I think we kind of know because we, we, we spent time with both characters. But they have no real reason to trust each other. Um, how do we know that... Right. Seraphin isn't just going to kill Joanna the second they get married and then, atta- you know, attacking them anyway, and vice versa. Saladin has no right. reason to believe that <laughs> Richard's not going to come in there and, uh, uh, you know, reclaim Jerusalem. <laughs> um, right. And I think that's great. It's always better than having just someone like, I'm an evil, I'm evil because I'm a jerk. <laughs> you mean like Alec here? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, he just needs to take a chill pill. That's what I think about <laughs> Alec here. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad we doubled back to that. Uh, more importantly, this gets the doctor in hot water with Richard, who's like, Why'd you tell him? Like, there's no other way she could have found out except through you guys, so <laughs> you're free to leave. Yeah, and, which um, of course, the doctor was not the one to tell Joanna, but Richard, no, and his anger didn't realize that. It's a shame. We're in the last episode here, Jimmy, the warlords, the warlords. So, so of uh, course, uh, yeah. the cliffhanger was Barbara being threatened to be tortured to death. Mm-hmm. And how does she? Uh, how does she get out of this one? Well, Elakir offers kind of coldly, chillingly offers his guards basically a sack of gold in order to do whatever they want, whatever that means. <laughs> and uh, Barbara knocks the gold on the floor, and while the guards, you know, lean down and go pick it all up, she runs away. 
she is followed by Elakir and his guards, and they're front. They're they're met by Elakir's harem, who say, "Huh, we we haven't seen her." And then when they take off, who uh, should appear from hiding but Barbara herself? Um, again, harem's more than willing to help her out because they don't like Elakir, and oh, why should they? No. <laughs> If I were his concubine, I'd be a little upset myself. Uh, and this is where she realizes that she's with that guy's daughter, or is that later in the episode? Nope, that's here. That's here. Okay. Yep, that's absolutely here. Um, so let's let's do the Ian and Barbara stuff, and then we'll go to the Doctor and Vicky stuff. How about that? Yeah, that works. Do we stick with Barbara? Should we jump to Ian? Uh, let's. Yeah, let's let's jump to Ian now. Okay. Perfect. Well. Ian found himself um, basically um, tied to four posts, one for each hand and foot in the middle of the desert um, by this uh, b- bandit named Ibrahim. It was gonna, um, he basically wants him to give up his money or uh, I'll leave you out here to burn to death. Ian's like, I don't have any money. And Ibrahim goes, here's what we're going to do. He smears, this, he smears Ian's body with honey and then leaves like a little trail through the... Um, the section of the desert he's in and basically waits you know we're gonna wait for the ants to come uh eat you it wasn't clear what the ants are supposed to do once yeah. they're on him besides be annoying i mean some ants around the world can be pretty dangerous um, sure so yeah i think that's the idea um, uh, of, course, of course i read somewhere this was kind of a in joke because in the previous one of course the main opponents that the tar team was fighting were giant ants <laughs> that's good I didn't, I didn't pick up on that, but I like that. I also I also saw that this wasn't um, William Russell. This was is this is this true? I we'll, we'll I never know. I think I heard it from the same place you did. So yeah, yeah I, I guess, guess we'll never know because this is a reconstructed episode. <laughs> yeah, but um, I actually think the way Ian gets out of this is uh, kind of clever. Um, he it's basically nice. said, they don't always show Ian being clever sometimes because I think sometimes they like. You know, they want the doctor to be the one who comes up with the the clever plan or even Barbara to come with the clever plan. Ian doesn't always get the chance to be clever. So it, it is nice to, that he does here, even though even if he's outwitting someone who doesn't seem the brightest. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this does seem like the, uh, the domain of the doctor, but um, not this time. Maybe he's learned something from the doctor after all these, uh, after all these years. Um, basically, he says, uh, okay, yeah, the money's in my boot. And Ibrahim um, takes off the boot uh, on his right uh, leg. Uh, Ian goes, oh, no, 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 that's, a, that's a, it's my other boot. Ibrahim takes off that boot. Ian's legs are now free. He pulls up the uh, this posts that are connected to his arms, and he basically subdues Ibrahim that way. You know what? Not bad. The po- <laughs> Pretty solid, yeah. Yeah, makes, makes sense. <laughs> um. We'll, we'll stash Ian for uh, a little later before he makes his grand entrance back in. Um, oh, he is using Ibrahim to take him back to Lida, or else I'll kill him. Um, I'll kill you, rather. Uh, which seems fair enough. Ibrahim agrees to these terms. Uh, we... Something, something yeah. I enjoyed. When they get to, to Lida, uh, he's like, take me to Alakir. Like, why? It's like, because I he has my friend, I want to you know, when it was just like, oh, you're enemy of Elakir? Okay, I'll help you out now. Uh, <laughs> another situation where they get allies just because the dude's an asshole. Yeah, 
Look, it pays pays to be kind, everybody. Um, going back to Barbara, um, and they set this up a little bit throughout, I, I believe. Well, um, we're with the telesnap reconstructions here. So they kept like showing a telesnap of one of the harem, harem girls, uh, like looking suspiciously. <laughs> Yeah. They, okay, she's going to betray them all. Yeah, they almost, it almost, they almost overplayed it here. Um, it's almost it, less subtle than it would have been. Yeah, but it's, so it's hard to say, you know, we don't know what, what that was, this was like when it was filmed. Yeah, but one of the, um, yeah, one of the harem girls um, basically double crosses her uh, harem brethren and along with Barbara and uh, Haroon's um, daughter, and uh, here and his men are now wise to uh, the fact that they're working against him. And uh, ah, this is a great moment. Very, very satisfying. Um, looks like all is lost for Barbara. Um, he's about to be uh, basically stabbed to death for treachery. When who should appear but Haroon? <laughs> um, right. Who's looking for his, his long lost daughter? And he, we don't really know how. But he kills Elakir uh, in revenge for you know his wife's death. Yeah, and that, I, I love it. Um, they make this kind of nothing character who shows up out of nowhere get this really satisfying ending. Uh, yeah, uh, prop. I have not. I have. I have, not, I have nothing smart to say here. I, I just liked it. <laughs> Same here. It uh, it worked well. And what's even um, better? This is where Ian shows up and helps get the uh, get the women all free. And then pays he for him for his uh, trouble with Elakir's money, but she was very fitting. Yes. <laughs> Screw you, Elakir. Um, All right. All okay. that's and, left and is so, Dr. and Vicky, yeah? Dr. and Vicky, yeah. So, so rewinding a little bit to Dr. and Vicky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, the Earl Leicester is kind of going in on the Dr. and Vicky. He doesn't trust them. Of course, Vicky had pretended to be Victor, so they, they're liars. Right. Uh, and, of course, you know, like a uh, doctor was a pretty strong advocate against what Leicester wanted, so he had political purpose to, to attack the doctor as well. And basically, the Richard kind of has to agree with Leicester. Uh, he says, yeah, you're right. Uh, prepare for battle. Let's, let's get this thing going. And then after the guy leaves, Richard's like, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, bro. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this is where it's revealed that uh, Richard found out that, uh, and of course, you know, if um, one is paying attention, it's, it's the only possible answer. Um, Lester is the one who got told right. Joanna well, what was going on here. And um, it seems to me like they're, they're trying to kind of portray Richard here is kind of a maybe a realist or a you know a bit practical you know he's he's realized you know whatever hope he was having for peace is gone you know it was probably never gonna happen anyways and so he's kind of kind of cutting his losses and he knows that he doesn't necessarily like Leicester or Leicester but he knows that he needs them in order to fight the war yeah, um, kind of a bittersweet. I mean, we're not at the ending necessarily. Um, actually, I think the ending's kind of light. But um, this, but this ending here is kind of a. It's uh, melancholy 
And it's not always a note that uh, Doctor Who hits. They sometimes go for a mystic or kind of sad or but melancholy. Um, uh, it, again, it, it, it's played very well. You get another kind of back and forth between Vicky and the Doctor about um, interfering uh, in time, and uh, <laughs> because it's, because there's nothing funny for it for him, uh, the Doctor now on team. We can't mess with the. <laughs> we can't mess with them. We can't mess with history. But he's right. Um, it has to be what it has to be. <laughs> and um, uh, but we're not quite done here. Um, Lester's not done uh, screwing with the doctor and Vicky. Um, he kind of tells yeah, Richard, the stars Richard to leave town a little bit, but to go somewhere, right? Yeah. Uh, but they decided to go back to the target. Yeah, yeah they decided it's probably time to go back and uh, mm-hmm. uh, cut bait. Um, but uh, they're uh, they are being followed by Lester's men, who um, are being told that they're traitors and to uh, take care of them. Right, well, and they're not going where they said they were. In fact, they're heading in the direction of Saladin. So, you know, they kind of make a reasonable thought that they're traitors. Yeah, but, you know, they have no they have no real reason to trust them besides yeah. the heroes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, but luckily for the Doctor, Ian and Barbara. Uh, show up to see what's happening. And do you want to kind of go go about how Ian gets the Doctor and Vicky out of the situation? Yeah, this is kind of their. Uh, this is kind of Ian's kind of, kind of again, kind of his Doctor uh, shenanigan kind of moment here. Uh, they all meet back at the TARDIS. Um, they're met. By, they're met by Lester and his soldiers, who um, says, "I'm going to kill you all for treason," which again is reasonable. And Ian steps in and says, "Uh." I'm Sir Ian of Jaffa. Uh, these people are now, these traitors are now in my custody as I kind of have uh, jurisdiction or the authority here. Um, seeing as I am a knight and you are not. And uh, the doctors killed many of my troops. Well, uh, right. I, 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 I will take I don't care think, of them. Yeah, I don't think it was that Ian had the authority. It's just he had the better claim because he, he was saying, I know people who, who was killed, right? Right, like it's, 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 it's this is this is my battle to, to end. Right, right, right. Uh, and uh, it, Lester says, "Fair enough." And <laughs> I, I have it in my head that they turn around and then Ian and well, uh, they all just go back. And like before you kill me, I. Oh, will... that's right. Let me look at let yeah. me look at Joppa one last time. And so Ian goes to with the doctor and Vicky to quote unquote look at Jaffa. And then, uh, and then they just kind of bounce. They run the TARDIS and leave. And then the Leicester like realizes, oh, Ian's not coming. Like, what happened? Where'd they go? And he's like, poor Sir Ian of Jaffa. They see the they, they see the TARDIS leave. That's right. Yeah, they see the TARDIS leave, and they kind of all look at each other, and they kind of go like, "So we're just all going to pretend this never happened, right?" <laughs> like, <laughs> which which I actually really like, really enjoy. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a nice like, little light moment to go out on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought this episode had a because sometimes episodes have kind of rushed endings, and sometimes the endings are stretched out too much. I thought this one was pretty well paced as far as that goes. I thought the ending. You know, it was nice and tidy, I thought. Yeah, totally agreed. Absolutely agreed. And that just leaves us with um, our kind of little tease uh, for the next serial here. Um, they're in the TARDIS. 
the power fails, lights start dimming, everyone kind of freezes, they can't move, and the only thing moving is the uh, control console, which is um, shining a light, apparently, because we can reconstruct it, we can't see it, but with the light... Well, no, we, we were this, remember, this was at the end of this episode, because it's the beginning of the next episode. So, yeah, sure. Uh, you may, it may have kind of looked like it because they were frozen, so they literally weren't moving. So it kind of did look at like a telesnap. Ah, so, fair enough. But, but that but, leads yeah. us to the end of the Crusades. Um, this is not how the Crusades ended in real life, of course. Um, but, um, well, they kind of, yeah. Yeah. And that's that. Um, all that's left is to kind of tease what's going on next week. Jimmy, what do you, what, what do you got for us? What can you reveal? Uh, well, we got the Space Museum next week, four episodes. Um, you know, as you could probably guess, the Space Museum, it's, it's a sci-fi episode. Um, I, I, would, I would say, so a lot of the sci-fi episodes have really more just been like, look at this, like, I've been trying to like kind of chase the, the Daleks a little bit, you know, with like, you know, he's a Marinus, you have the Vore, the Sensorites, you have the Sensorites. Uh, you know, Web Planet, you have the Zarbi. This is, this is one that breaks that pattern, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, is this one's more of a more sci-fi than it is like, look at this monster trying to kill me, if I'm not mistaken. That makes me very excited um, and uh, optimistic for it. Because, again, I don't know that the chasing of that Dalek High has yielded too much success for them thus far. Um, maybe yeah, they, may, they, may, they may find a secondary um, kind of set of villains for the show um, somewhere in the 50-year history. But it hasn't appeared yet in the Series 2. So, yeah. But, um. That kind of does it for this week, unless there's anything we forgot to mention, um, which is uh, probably several things. Uh, you can let us know what those things are. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're on Twitter at Pop Culture Historians. You can rate and review us on uh, whatever podcatcher you love. We're, we're on Facebook, uh, unfortunately. Uh, don't hold that against us. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, leave a review if you like what you heard. Uh, if you don't like what you heard, we appreciate honesty here at Pop Culture Historians. Uh, oh, oh, and uh, our life lesson. This is a pretty easy one. Um, uh, just be nice to people, man. Um, or <laughs> don't be surprised. Or to kill you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, don't, don't cover people in, uh, with honey for ants to eat people. That's just not nice. That's a bonus life lesson. Um, or else you'll be forced to carry someone to uh, lit up. Yeah. You know, now more than ever, we need that life lesson, I would say. Yeah. You know, we, li- we used to live in a simpler time, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you all next week. Bye. See you. Bye. <laughs> Understand this. This woman can rot in one of Saladin's prisons until her hair turns white before I'll trade with the man that killed my friends.